You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Well, good morning, church family. If you've got a Bible, would you find the book of Colossians? In the New Testament, the book of Colossians. Find that with me. Let me make an announcement before we get moving in our message. T.J. Darty is our part-time missions pastor. He is finishing up his Ph.D., and he will be going to become the senior pastor of Central Baptist Church in Paris, Kentucky. And so we're excited for T.J. While we are sad to see him go and his family, his wife Chloe and their brand-new baby, we're excited that the Lord put him in our lives, our church's life, during his phase of seminary so that he could serve us but also we could get to know them and so we're excited for them and I hope that you will join with me in just congratulating them in the days to come you'll be with us for another Sunday or so and so we give a great deal of thanks for that Colossians chapter 1 as you're landing right there one of my favorite singers of all time brings back nostalgic memories of eight tracks in a station wagon is a man named Johnny Cash Johnny Cash, on the 1st of January, 1959, would sing at San Quentin. Now, while he was singing there, one individual that was there that day had broken out of 17 different prisons, juvenile delinquent. He was in juvenile prisons. And so as he heard that Johnny Cash was coming, he was a little worried for Cash. See, What may not be known is that Cash never served time as a prisoner. While he could empathize with those behind bars, and those behind bars often felt that he was one of them, he had never truly been behind a locked cell gate. And so as Cash was coming on the 1st of January, this one young man who found himself at San Quentin was worried for Johnny. He was worried because he knew it was a difficult place, so much so, in fact, that he was worried for his safety. Well, years had gone by, 10 years after that concert, when the young man who'd broken out of prison some 17 times and heard Johnny himself there that day revealed. He said, Johnny, 10 years ago, I was there when you sang. So when Cash turned around to Merle Haggard, that's who the young man was, and said, I don't remember you being there, to which Merle were finally revealed, Johnny, I was in the as an audience. What Merle had kept a secret, the writer of Colossians shares with everyone. He was in prison. Look at me beginning in verse 1 of Colossians chapter 1, where the Word of God says an apostle, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father, we always thank God, the Father of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our fellow servant, our beloved fellow servant, 
Epaphras, he is faithful. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to you, made known to us, your love in the Spirit. May God bless the reading of his word. Now we're going to be in out of Colossians, this little book, this little four-chapter book, many times this year. In fact, we're going to make our way all the way through it, sentence by sentence, word by word, verse by verse in the days to come. So let me give you a little bit of background on Colossians. You need to be aware that it's written by Paul. The very first word, the very first sentence, Paul writes this. He writes it as a prisoner. Now, how do we know that? Just because the preacher said it? No. Because in chapter 4, verse 10, Paul says, he talks about his fellow prisoner. In fact, the very last sentence of the very last verse of Colossians, he says, remember my chains. He does the opposite of Merle Haggard. Haggard keeps it secret. Paul says, remember my chains. Now, you need to be aware, Paul's not there because he's a delinquent. He hasn't stolen. He's not done some felony. Paul's in prison because he is a preacher of the gospel. And that was illegal at certain places. They did not have religious freedom, so they throw him in prison. Now, you need to be aware that Paul writes this letter to the Christians at Coloss, or Colossae, right about 60 A.D., now, if you know your New Testament, you'll know that Jesus died and was resurrected between 30 and 33 A.D., depending on where you date that. So we're at 30 years, approximately 30 years after the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, what's happened in that time? Well, one of the things that's happened in that time is this man, Paul, God has had his hand upon this man. And Colossus, you may not know where that is, it's in western Turkey, modern western Turkey. I looked it up this week, the little town of Colossus from Jerusalem, 1,000 miles, about half the continental United States. So in 30 years, the gospel serpentined a long way. It's gone a long way from that time. In fact, our friend Paul is very near death. He doesn't know it yet. He's likely in prison in Rome In about three to four years, Paul will breathe no more. The emperor Nero takes his head off again for the gospel. Now, what you also need to be aware of are the people in Coloss. They're hardworking people. It's not a prominent city. It had been several centuries before. It's not as prominent as the nearby city, 11 miles away, Laodicea. You would know that if you know the book of Revelation. It is an ordinary city. It's a people who are blue-collar kind of people. They're farmers. They work with wool, especially sheep wool. In the time when this letter was written, Colossian wool was known everywhere as purple wool. So here, let's put the facts together. We have a letter written from prisoner 30 years after the death of Jesus. The gospel is extended at least 1,000 miles away. It's written to people who are hardworking, ordinary kind of people. And among the most important, prominent things you'll read in this letter is just how significant Jesus Christ is. Look with me today as I want you to see the importance of connecting and relating to other believers. I want you to see first and foremost what I'm calling greet your forever family. Notice in verse 1, the Bible says Paul's an apostle, but but Timothy... He says, our brother. Do you see that? Now, these two guys are not two brothers from the same mother. 
They're not blood-related. These are two brothers that are spiritually related. And in fact, what you need to be aware of, look at the little word R, O-U-R, our brother. Move your eyes from verse 1 down to verse 2 where you're going to see these words, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Now what this is telling us is not only is Timothy and Paul brothers, but all the believers are brothers and sisters. So that when you embrace Jesus Christ, you get a spiritual family, you get a forever family. Now, I don't know what you feel about your family that God gave you. In fact, you may be with some of your family today, so you may cannot really reveal how you feel about your family. Some of you may have hit the genetic lottery. You may think, I had the greatest mom, the greatest dad, the best brothers and sisters. Others of you would like to be the general manager and trade two sisters and a brother for a player to be named later. Okay? I don't know which of those you might have, but I do know this. When you embrace Jesus Christ, you get a new forever family. Now, what do I mean by that? To live successful, we're told that we need to have lots of relationships. And Christians have the privilege of relating to people you'll get to know in this life and in the next life. You live forever as a believer. You will die, but you will be raised. Just as the gospel says Jesus, he did die, he was raised. He is a preview in history and time of what will happen to every follower of Jesus Christ. So you get a forever family, and this family is thicker than blood. This family is united together around the person of Jesus Christ. Your spiritual family is important. In fact, you need to treasure your family. You have new brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I wonder what church is for you. We come in this building. Do you talk to someone? Or do you want to come in in this age and time we live in and be very anonymous? I don't need anybody hugging me, that kind of thing. That weirds me out. You know, keep your distance, coronavirus, all that kind of stuff. But if church is done right and successful, then what happens here is not only a message and some singing and all that kind of thing, but we encourage one another. We speak to one another. We love one another. We treasure our forever family. In fact, when we have a spiritual family, we have the ability, we have the opportunity to have something in common with Jesus. That is, a brother or sister on the other side of the globe who has a different color of skin than I have, who make probably a lot less money than we make, I have a lot in common because I have Jesus Christ in common. This is my spiritual family. This is my forever family. Now, what's at the center of the family? The center of the family, I want you to picture this. Imagine if we were crazy enough in this first day of March to leave this 74 degree weather that we're going to experience today, this beautiful sunny day. And we went up to Minnesota. Doesn't that sound crazy to go to Minnesota the first day of March? And there snow is knee deep to a giraffe. And one of us, 12 of us gathered, we said, hey, why don't we, instead of staying indoors where there's a fire, why don't we go outside camping? Why don't we go camp in the forest? Now, what would we do if we camp besides losing our mind? One of the first things we would do, would we build a fire? And I have a feeling that the placement of tents would be very close to the fire, wouldn't it? I have a feeling there'd be a lot of people standing around warming their hands by that fire, drawing in all of its heat, right? Now, how do I read? How do I understand a Christian family? Now, pull the fire out, pull the campfire out of the middle, and put the gospel right there. 
That is a spiritual family. We encourage one another. We gather around and we're encouraged. What is the gospel? It is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where we get our warmth. That's where we get and feed and encourage one another. It's all over the letter. You'll find it the very first place I did, speaking of the gospel being in the center. Look with me at verse 4. He says, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. You know, you're a family, a spiritual family, because of how you responded in the gospel. We have a new family, new relationships, and faith puts you in the family. Now, you may find some of your best friendships around your favorite YouTube channel. You may find some of your best friendships around your favorite restaurant that you like to go to, or your golfing buddies, your fishing buddies, or those that gather in midweek. But if you want to find the ultimate encouragement, the ultimate sense of significance, you gather around the campfire, not of golfing and fishing and YouTube channels, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, if you're going to have faith, you're going to put faith in Jesus Christ. Six times in eight verses, the name of Jesus is mentioned. He's all over the place. And if you're going to warm yourself by the fire, then you need to put your trust, lean all of your hope on Jesus Christ. See, it's Jesus who died for us. It's Jesus who's raised for us. Our gospel, our faith is not in the religious system. It's not in the system of beliefs. It's not a political party that unites us. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. That's who died for us. That's who raised for us. The gospel is the life, death, and burial of Jesus. And everybody has faith in something. You may have faith in a political party. You may have faith in your job. You may have faith in your mom and dad or your spouse. Your faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. You may have faith in the government. If the government fails, your faith will fail. But if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your faith will not complete the sentence, will not fail. You get it? We are a spiritual family, those who've embraced the Lord Jesus Christ. You put your faith in Jesus. You continue to put your faith in Jesus. I said the gospel's all over the place. Six times Jesus is mentioned in eight verses. I see it again in verse 5, where the Bible says, of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel. Look at verse 5 with me. I want you to see the words. Of this you have heard before the word of the truth. A lady just said to me not 48 hours ago, who was of the Muslim faith, she said to me, you have your way to pray to God, we have our way to pray to God. All roads lead to God is what she was saying. The Bible doesn't agree with my friend. The Bible says these words, it is the truth. It's different than a truth in verse 5. What the Bible is saying is that all the other contenders are pretenders. That may be an arrogant statement to make in the early part of the 21st century, but listen again to the words of Jesus. I am the truth, I am the way, and I am the life. Then, if there's any confusion whatsoever, I'm grateful for these words. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus would say, I am the door. What's a door do? A door will let me walk through into another room or into a hallway. The door to God is Jesus Christ. He didn't say, I'm one of the doors. He didn't say that I'm 
among the choice Hall of Fame doors, right next to some other great leader of religious significance. He said, I am the door. And so this is the gospel. How do we warm ourselves? How do we encourage this family with the gospel of Jesus Christ? One more now, not only in verse 4, not only in verse 5, but one more in verse 6. One more time we see the gospel. Since the day you heard it, what well, they hear, the gospel, and understood the grace of God in truth. Would you just highlight, underline, put an asterisk next to that word grace? You know what that word means? It's a powerful word. It means that I do not get what I deserve. I do not get what I deserve. That's what grace means. I do not get what I deserve. You may think that the school system didn't give you what you deserve. You may think your marriage didn't give you what you deserve. You may know that the government hasn't given you what you deserve. But I will tell you this, in Jesus Christ, if you embrace him by faith, you will not get what you deserve. The cross of Jesus is profound and it's powerful. It promises to wipe away sin and adopt you into this family. That's the power of the gospel and the grace of God. The way I like to phrase it, so many other religions, my friend a moment ago said, all religions lead to God. See, if I read those other religions carefully, I build a really good resume. I build a really good list of accomplishments. At the end of my days, I stick my list of accomplishments, my resume, before the nose of God and say, is this good? Do I get in? Did I go to church enough? Did I, did I do the right things enough? Did my good outweigh my bad? Does this resume get me in? Christianity says, don't even produce, don't even, don't even look at your resume. Hide that thing. Bring out the resume of Jesus Christ. And put that before the nose of God. And say, did he do enough? Does his death work? Is it a substitute for me? Because that is the grace of God. His life traded for my death. Do you know God's grace? What do you have your faith in today? What do you have your faith in? Do you know the grace of God? Are you part of a forever spiritual family? Here's the second thought I want to give you, staying right here in Colossians. Be grateful for your forever family. Look with me in verse 3. Be grateful for your ever fa forever family. Notice that verse 3 all the way down through verse 8 is one single sentence in the original language. It's one sentence. The main verb is to give thanks. Paul, this is really a prayer that we're reading here. He's telling us how he's praying. Paul says he gives thanks for two reasons. The first of which is at the end of verse 3. He says, I give thanks when we pray for you. The second reason he says he gives thanks is in verse 4. We give thanks to God since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. First, we give thanks when we pray for you. By the way, do you pray for other believers? Are you praying for people that, are, that you know sitting near you? Are you praying for people and do you know people as you go into a Bible fellowship group together in a moment? Are you praying that they overcome any temptation this week? Are you praying that they are encouraged in Jesus Christ? Are you praying for them? In fact, Paul says, I'm always praying. Isn't that powerful? I'm always praying. Can you imagine if two or three other people in this spiritual family, teenagers, 
We're praying for you as you head back to Richland, Birdville throughout the week. That's powerful, isn't it? To know that people are naming your name. Frequently, people will say to me, because I'm pastor, my family prays for you constantly. And I'm grateful for that. But look, other people to your right and left, go ahead and look at them right now. They need you to pray for them. Not just your blood family, these are your spiritual family. There are people going through some real challenges, health challenges, financial challenges. They've got kids going crazy in their life. They need your prayers. He says we give thanks constantly as we pray for you. Secondly, he says we give thanks because since we've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. I love what he says next in verse 5, at the end of verse 4 actually. And we give thanks because of the love that you have for all the saints. We live in a toxic political culture currently. Would you agree? It's toxic. Perhaps it's as toxic as it was during the Watergate scandal during the Nixon days. If I said to you the name Charles Colson, do you remember that name, some of you? Chuck Colson was actually put into prison because of his role in Watergate. But what you may not know is that Charles Colson, trained as an attorney, was in, led to faith in Christ by the name of a man, Thomas L. Phillips. Colson would later say that his mother would cook for people during the Depression, and his father was a very gracious, kind man, but he does not remember them reading the Bible one time in their family. In fact, Colson, was he with, he was with Phillips. The car was idling in Phillips' driveway, just a businessman. And it was when Colson embraced the Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed to receive Christ in the driveway there of Mr. Phillips. Right after that time, he goes into a small men's prayer group. Three other men with Colson. They were experienced believers, Republican and Democratic congressmen and sinners. They began to meet weekly for Colson. Now, it was at this time he was indicted. He's put away in prison. But his buddies remember him. His spiritual family remembers him. So one of those men, who was a nine-term congressman, he had one time been a state senator, as well as the governor of Minnesota, a man by the name of Al he was in Colson's prayer group. Al Qui had searched and found an old ancient law, American law, that said you can serve the prison sentence of another person. So Al Qui picks up the phone, somehow gets a hold of Colson in prison, and he says, this is what I want to do. I want to call Gerald Ford. I know that your son has just been arrested for selling marijuana down in the Carolinas. And I want to ask Gerald Ford, the president, if he will let me finish up your prison sentence. To quote Charles Colson, he said, I was overwhelmed. He said, that's the moment Jesus became real to me. Even though he embraced him by faith in the driveway, it wasn't until the sacrificial action of a nine-term congressman and later governor said I love you so much I value you so much I want you to be able to spend time with your son who's hurting I will serve your prison Colson wouldn't allow it but can you imagine how powerful 
a family like that would be? Can you imagine the kind of impact that kind of offer, a genuine offer of love? Would that have any impact upon you? The Bible says that a spiritual family, there's a love for one another. You need to experience love and you need to share love. Listen to me, look at me, look at my face right here. Too many people in this church, you're auditing church. You know what you do when you audit church? It's like when you audit a class. You just sit there. You don't want to take any quizzes or tests. You're just sitting back. It's like it's a cruise ship and, you know, the waiters are supposed to wait on you. You need to engage. You say, well, this church doesn't love me the way it should. Okay, maybe it doesn't. But what are you putting in? How are you loving? How are you spreading words of encouragement? You heard from a moment ago from Pastor Danny. March, I want this to be the month of encouragement. I want there to be every week, every week in the month of March, I'm calling upon you to speak a word of encouragement to someone. To speak a word. If you're on social media, share a word of encouragement. Write a word of encouragement. You know that you can still write letters in America. <laughs> Text a word of encouragement. An intentional thoughtful word of encouragement you think it through you say your presence in my life means so much because this is what i see you do i want you to find people that are on the margins i want you to find people in our day and time pick out a public school teacher pick out a fireman or a police officer you know, it's more difficult to do those jobs perhaps in this generation than it's ever been. We're putting more on those individuals. Would you do that with me? I'm going to ask that again because I was expecting an answer. Would you do that with me? Yes. That was kind of weak. Would you do that with me? Yes. Would you make that commitment? Would you say once a week in the month of March, I'm going to spread the love. I'm going to do that. Face to face, cross text, social media in writing you know i don't care you can do all four face to face you ought to do at least one face to face what a blessing what a tremendous encouragement that would be be grateful for one another be grateful for your forever family you were stuck with the family you were born in that crazy family that god gave you but the good news is you're going to have a spiritual family that lasts forever here's your last thing to grow your forever family. Look again at Colossians with me, would you? Colossians, back in verse 1, of, verse 6 of chapter 1. The Bible says, look, the gospel's come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you. Here's the last thought. If I had an apple in my hand, I don't just have one apple, do I? Because one apple has seed, to make all kinds of apples. And if you have the genuine gospel, the real McCoy grows. It produces things in your life and it grows and spreads to others. The problem for most of us Americans, for a lot of American churches, is that we've been vaccinated with a dead virus or a weak virus and it keeps us from getting the real thing. You know what a vaccination is? A vaccination is either I get weak or dead 
virus cells that keeps me from getting, that my immune system can now mobilize against whatever it is that comes my way. And the problem for a lot of you is that you've gone through some sort of confirmation, some sort of thing that a pastor may have baptized you, but you've not experienced the real thing because the real thing always grows. It grows in your life and it grows and spreads to all those around you. Have you been vaccinated or have you experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ? Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.